Hello, you're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer, better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. I'm going to kick things off today with a segment that I call Don't Get Me Started. And this one is about late people. Okay, I am a chronically early person. I get that not everybody wants to be early, but you can and you should want to be on time. And when people tell me, I'm just really bad at time management, I'm just a late person, I don't know, I can't help it, that's just who I am. Have you ever heard of a clock? We are surrounded by devices that tell time. We have watches, we have wall clocks, car clocks, iPhones, the sun. Use these devices. You don't have to be late. And the irony of spending so much time on excuses about why you were late when you could have just used that time to be getting somewhere on time, it just, it boggles my mind. So if you're a late person or you know somebody who is and you'd rather be responsible, reliable, and courteous instead of late and completely full of shit, then this episode is for you. Okay, now that I got that off my chest, welcome to episode 7 of the No Fucks Given podcast, Why Late People Are Full of Shit and How to Never Be Late Again. And I hope that any late people who might be listening are taking this as the gentle ribbing uh, it's intended to be and also are really looking forward to finding out how you can reassess and reevaluate your own relationship to time and really never have to be late if you don't want to be. If you want to be late, that's not a problem I can help you with. Go forth. You do you. No fucks given. No judgments here. Um, But if you find that being late is a problem for you or a problem for someone you know and love who might be finding this episode link in their inbox as we speak, um, I think I can help. In today's episode, I am going to talk about multitasking and why it's not a thing that you should aspire to be good at or brag about. I'm going to talk a little bit more about focus, which is the middle prong in my gist theory that I went over in episode five. I'm going to give you the secret to getting better at time management and never being late again. And as always, listen to the end of the episode for your weekly NFG tip. And don't forget, you can always visit nofucksgivenguides.com, that's plural, nofucksgivenguides.com for more info on my books and journals and for the show notes and links to downloads and stuff that I mention on the podcast. Okay, here we go. We're going to start with the myth of multitasking. First, I want to be totally transparent with you and say that I used to think multitasking was a good thing. I used to think I was really good at it, and I used to think that it was a badge of honor to be able to multitask, you know, to keep all those balls in the air at once. But over time, I learned, and, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I think I can say this with some authority, I learned that it's not actually possible to do two things at once, and certainly not to do them well. Like if you think you're paying attention to your daughter's soccer game and you're composing a really well thought out work email from the stands, then you're doing one of those things badly and probably both. So I just want you to think for a minute, you know, to all of my my type A overachiever, overwhelmed, overbooked listeners out there and even those who, you know, think that they're pretty moderately booked. 
Um, do you think of yourself as a multitasker? Do you aspire to multitask? Do you think you're good at it? And then I want you to go a little bit deeper and ask yourself if what I just said a few moments ago rings true, which is that when you are multitasking, you're not giving your full attention to either of the tasks that you are uh, currently approaching. Maybe you're doing more than two. Maybe it's four or five things that you're trying to do at once. I know how many tabs you have open on your computer right now. Um, But maybe it's true what I'm saying that because you are dividing your attention among all of those things, you're not really doing any of them well, certainly not to the best of your ability. And you might be doing some of them pretty piss poorly. And so, you know, as always with the caveat that sometimes you just do have to do more than one thing at once. You know, sometimes there's an emergency, sometimes there's a deadline that can't be reshuffled or ignored and and you're going to have to multitask. I would just like to say here and now that the idea of multitasking being a good thing that we should aspire to be good at is a load of shit. Um, I think, I believe, and I think I'm right, that you have to focus And I talked about focus as part of my pillars of gist theory, get your shit together theory. It's the center one and it holds everything together. You know, you have to strategize, you have to focus, and you have to commit. So I just want to talk a little bit more about focusing today because that is going to help you reevaluate your relationship with time and never be late again. The promise of this entire episode is predicated upon you really understanding and internalizing the idea of focus. The ability to focus is the ability to set aside the time to get the thing done that needs doing. It's about scheduling it in, not double booking. But it's not just about reserving a day on your calendar to get something done. It's about reserving the appropriate amount of time in that day. And as you guys know, if you've been listening to the podcast thus far, I am a huge fan of breaking things down into small, manageable chunks. So if you have a big goal, a big task, whatever it may be, it could be related to work, it could be related to uh, planning a party, it could be related to maintaining and improving relationships with your friends and family, Whatever your goal is, you should break it down into small, manageable chunks because then it's easier for you to focus. So you strategize by breaking your plan up into small, manageable chunks, and then you focus by setting aside the time to complete those chunks. So I'm going to take the example of setting yourself a goal to get a new job. That's your goal, and you've laid out your strategy uh, step by step. So, for example, step one is updating your resume. Step two is scheduling time to complete that step, okay? So you don't just want to say, oh, I'll update my resume this week. That's a big kind of unformed uh, blob of time, and it'll be really easy for you to just put other things in the top slot over the course of an entire week and and stop focusing on this one important essential part of your goal and your plan, which is to update your resume. So what I'm saying is you focus, you narrow it down, and you say on Saturday morning from 10 to noon, I am going to update my resume. I'm going to put my butt in that seat and I'm not going to get up again until it's done. 
Now, also, I think that you should put, you know, a back end time on this. Like I said, 10 a.m. to noon. If you can't update your resume in two hours, then you have, you know, bigger problems because maybe you're getting distracted online or maybe you're taking phone calls when you should have set aside this time to do your work and not answer your phone. I think it's really, really important that you set aside a discrete amount of time to get each step of your plan done. And you should be able to estimate, because you're an adult, approximately how long this is going to take you. It does not take you an entire week to update your resume. Now, maybe it takes you 15 minutes a day every day of the week because that's the only way that you can schedule in this uninterrupted time, and that's fine too. But focusing is when you understand that you have to give yourself the time and space to do the thing that needs doing, and you have to accurately estimate that time, which we are going to go into detail on in a few more minutes. First, I want to take a second and just elaborate a little bit on that rant that I started out the show with and just tell you a personal story of something that happened between myself and a very close, very dear friend of mine that just illustrates the consequences of calling yourself a late person, accepting this aspect of your personality, which I don't actually think is an aspect of your personality, but, um, you know, how it affects other people and why it would be a really good idea for you to listen to the advice I have coming up in this episode and, you know, try to make some some changes. They're positive changes for you and they're also positive changes for your relationships. So this all happened, God, probably 15 years ago now. And like I said, this is a really close friend of mine, and she's just a late person, and she just never really seemed to care. Um, she's somebody we actually had to start giving alternate dinner reservation times to just so that she would show up within like half an hour of the appointed dinner instead of 45 minutes or an hour after everybody else arrived on time. But she, you know, wanted to meet for lunch, and I was working and it was a time in my life where, rightly or not, I felt like I couldn't take more than an hour for lunch. And I set aside this day to meet her for lunch at a place near my office. And I went over there. And of course, I was first because I'm always first. But five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes after the lunch reservation, she wasn't there. It was starting to make me anxious for all kinds of reasons, you know, partly because the waiter kept coming over. I felt weird that I was taking up this two top at lunchtime when I didn't have, you know, my guest wasn't there yet. Um, and partly because I was just counting the minutes until I had to be back to my office. And I finally heard from her and she told me, I can't actually really remember what excuses she gave me, but she said she was in a cab. And I know where she lives, and I know how long it takes to get to the restaurant that we were meeting at in a cab from where she lives. And it was very obvious to me at that point that she had not even left her house until it was well past the time we were supposed to meet. It just, it was, it was really galling. It was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me in terms of this relationship with this dear friend who just could not bring herself to be on time to meet me. And, you know, she eventually arrived at least half an hour late. I was really upset. I was really anxious, like I said, and I was just focused on not being a total bitch to her and ruining what was left of our lunch date. Uh, but, you know, when I got back to the office and I had a chance to kind of calm down about it, I sent her a text and I said, uh, you know, I can't make plans with you again in the middle of the workday if you can't be on time. I just can't take this kind of disruption. I don't have time for it. 
And, uh, you know, she took it like a champ. I mean, I always preach honesty and politeness on this podcast. And I was honest with her and I was really firm. And, you know, she actually did improve in the years to come. But all of this is to say that I'm not trying to sound superior when I say I'm always on time and, in fact, often early. That's partly my anxiety talking. I do like to think that I'm actively trying to be respectful to the people that I'm meeting. Uh, And also, accidents happen. Shit happens. You know, sometimes you're just going to be late and there's nothing you can do about it. But if you are a person like my friend who just kind of leans on this idea of, I'm just a late person. I just don't even know. I guess I have time management problems. This is something that does not have to be true about you, and it is something you can fix. I am betting that if you are a late person and you think you can't do anything about it, it's because you do not understand your own relationship to time. And when I say that, I mean you don't actually know how long it takes you to do anything. If you did know, then you could plan for it, and you could stop lying to yourself and others about being ready in 10 when you're not going to be ready for 30 or 40 minutes. So I am about to give you a mind-blowing tip to get this under control once and for all. Okay, guys, are you ready? The secret to time management is to time yourself doing certain tasks every day for a week, write it down, and then you have to confront those minutes and hours in black and white. No more excuses. So this is an exercise that I lay out in both my book, Get Your Shit Together, and in the Get Your Shit Together journal. It's very easy, okay? You write your task at the top of the page, and then you have three columns. You have a column for the day, you have a column for the time it takes you to complete that task, and then you have your notes. The first thing you're going to do is establish a baseline on the first day. Let's call it Monday. No better day, right, to start something new? You're going to establish a baseline on Monday, and then you're going to time yourself every other day of that week letting the chips fall where they may, and face up to the reality of how long it takes you to do something. So when I say establish a baseline, what I mean is, let's say the example is, the task is getting ready in the morning. So whatever that means for you, whatever you have to do to get ready in the morning, let's say from the minute your alarm goes off until the minute you walk out your door. A baseline time is no frills. A baseline time is doing only the bare minimum of things that you need to do to get ready in the morning. So maybe that's wake up, drink some coffee, brush your teeth, take a shower. Uh, depending on you know what you consider to be your baseline, maybe you're putting on makeup, maybe you're blow drying your hair, maybe you're shaving your face, your legs, your armpits. Uh, maybe you have to feed your kids breakfast. Maybe you don't have kids. Um, you know, whatever it is, maybe working out at home before you leave your house. But when we say getting ready in the morning, I'm talking about from the time you wake up until the time you leave your front door to go wherever it is you go upon having gotten ready. So your baseline time on Monday is you wake up and you set the timer on your on your iPhone or on your watch or whatever you use to tell time. Because uh, as we've established, you really should have, you know, an instrument in your life that tells time. And you don't, Stop that watch until you are out your front door and you make sure that you are doing just the no frills bare minimum to get you out. Then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, etc. Remember, I said every day for a week, 
you do the same thing. You set your stopwatch, you know, your clock, whatever, when you wake up, when your alarm goes off in the morning, and you don't stop it until you are at your door. And I realize with the pandemic, maybe you're not actually leaving your house to go to work, but I think you can, I think you can infer my meaning from this, which is you're timing yourself, quote unquote, getting ready in the morning. And every day that week, you start that stopwatch and you end that stopwatch and you write down the time and then you write down any notes. Like for example, today it took you 10 minutes longer because you were shaving or today it took you 20 minutes longer because it's the weekly podcast that you like to listen to before you go to work on Tuesdays and you needed to budget in that time. In any case, you are going to end up with a list of Uh, times, days and times, the amount of time it took you to do this task, and you are going to have to confront the reality of how long it takes you. You are no longer going to be able to, as I said, lie to yourself and others that you can be ready in 10 or ready in 15. You know, maybe it takes you 45 minutes on average to get ready in the morning. But once you know that, you can actually plan for it. You can set aside that time. You can focus. You can do your getting ready time and you can not, you know, set yourself up for failure and set your friends or your family or your coworkers up for disappointment because you didn't actually leave yourself enough time to get ready so you were inevitably going to be late. Some of us just have kind of an innate ability to measure or to notice how long it takes us to do things and to file that away and plan for it. You know, I happen to know how long it takes me to do my bare minimum showering. I happen to know how much extra time it takes me if I want to shave my legs. Uh, And I know how much extra time it takes me if I want to do a quick and dirty makeup job or if I need to put on full makeup to do some kind of, you know, uh, godforsaken Zoom video call. Um, But some people don't have that inherent ability, and that's okay. The fact is it can be learned, You can confront it in black and white if you do this seven-day list journal exercise that I'm talking about. And I frankly think that seven days of your life to put this information front and center in your brain is worth, uh, you know, the rest of a lifetime of being able to be on time. And all of the goodwill that that generates and all of the chaos it eliminates in your life. So I'm going to give you another example, uh, and this is about getting out of work on time. And again, it could be getting out of an actual office building, or it could just be about finishing the work from home uh, segment of your day so that you can proceed to do the other things that you've planned on doing that you hope to be able to do, uh, you know, et cetera. So again, you have your list. You've got your task at the top, which is, you know, getting out of work. Um, You have your days of the week and you have your columns for the time it takes and you have your column for uh, the notes that you that you put in after the fact. You start with your baseline, which is you start that stopwatch the minute that you close your laptop or turn off your computer um, and you do the bare minimum that you need to do to get from point A to point B. Again, it could be getting out of an actual office building uh, or it could just be getting out of, you know, your your second bedroom or it could be just moving from, you know, the, the bedroom to the couch in your small uh, Manhattan apartment. Whatever the case may be, you are doing that as quickly as you can with no detours and distractions and you're writing down that baseline time. Then 
for the next six days of the week, you start that stopwatch right when you're closing out of your email account or, you know, flipping your laptop closed for the day, and you don't stop it again until you've gotten to point B, whatever that means for you. So, uh, you know, you might close your laptop and then start walking down the hallway and stop in the restroom. And then maybe when you get back out by the elevators, you realize you forgot something and you have to go back to your desk. Or maybe, you know, you get to the lobby of your building and you run into a coworker and you start chit-chatting. But all of these things are preventing you from getting to point B and they're all adding to those minutes that you're going to put in your time column on any given day. And at the end of the week, you can look at those notes and you can say, oh, wow, three or four days this week, I forgot something and had to go back, you know, and maybe this is not something you realized was happening to you so often. But it is part of the reason that you are often late when you tell friends that you are going to meet them for drinks in 15 and it actually takes you 35 minutes because you've had to double back. Um, The same thing happens when you think you're going to leave work for the day and go you know, pick somebody up from the airport. Uh, You're leaving people waiting and you're leaving people hanging, not necessarily because you are a disrespectful person or a bad friend, but because you just don't realize how long it actually takes you to do the thing that is on your agenda before meeting your friend for a drink or picking them up from the airport. So if you do this seven-day journal and you write down your times And you note why sometimes they are longer and sometimes they are shorter. And you look at your averages and you realize what you are able to commit to as a human being. I mean, you might say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to stop being forgetful. So I should budget in that extra 10 minutes every time just assuming that I'm going to forget something and have to go back to the office. Because it never hurt you to be 10 or 5 Uh, or three minutes early for an appointed meeting. It really didn't. Um, You know, you can afford to be early, but in a lot of cases, you can't afford to be late. So I would encourage you to try this. I think it's really easy. And like I said, seven days out of your life, you know, the stopwatch on your iPhone, and you could really start facing down some important truths about your relationship to time and be able to improve it by just factoring in the right amount of time for you to get these things done going forward so that you never have to be late again. So I hope that's been clear and helpful and also, you know, that it hasn't felt like a slap in the face. I'm not asking you to never shave your legs again or to send your kids off without breakfast in the morning so that you can hit a particular getting ready number. Um, The secret to time management is not speeding up or slowing down. The secret is knowing how long it takes you to do something and giving yourself the appropriate amount of time to get it done. That is focus. Give yourself the time and space to do the shit that needs doing. And if that means reevaluating your own relationship to time, then there are pretty easy ways to do it. I think I've just given you the best and easiest one. And I'm really looking forward, I have to say, to the listener mail after this episode because I hope and expect that it is going to turn some lives around. Um, If that has not been enough, please continue to listen to the end of the episode for the NFG tip of the week, which is related and equally easy and important to implement in terms of never being late again. 
But first, just a quick reminder that I have a once a month audio advice column called You Asked For It, um, where I take listener questions and I answer as many of them as I can in a single episode of the podcast. And you can submit your questions via email to podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com. Or you can go to my website, nofucksgivenguides.com slash podcast, and there's a form that you can fill out on the site. It's all anonymous. I'm not going to say your name on air. I've done one of these episodes already. It was episode four of the No Fucks Given podcast. I answered a bunch of questions, and I'm really excited about this because I always wanted to have an advice column. So now I get to do it on the podcast once a month, and I hope that I will hear from you. Again, you can email me your questions to podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com. And now before we get to the No Fucks Given tip of the week, a little recap. In today's episode, we talked about the myth of multitasking, why it is not actually a good thing, why you should not aspire to be an excellent multitasker. Uh, and how important it is instead to focus. Focus being the ability to know how much time you need to complete a task and setting aside that time to do it. Remember, focus is the second of the three pillars of my get your shit together theory, just theory, which I go into detail in a couple weeks ago, I believe on episode five. So you can listen to episode five for more on that. But for now, take away the notion that you need to be able to focus one thing at a time, and you'll be able to do that one thing to the best of your ability. And I also hope I've made it abundantly clear in this episode that you do not have to just be a late person. You don't have to just have problems with time management. I don't know why. It's just who I am. You can solve those problems if you want to. It's actually pretty easy to get a handle on them. You just have to be willing to confront your relationship to time, how long it really takes you to do things, and then plan accordingly. And so with that, we move on to the NFG tip of the week. I do one of these every week at the end of the episode. And this week's tip is distance yourself from distraction. Let's be honest here. You almost certainly know your weaknesses. And if you don't, you ought to have noted them in your timekeeping journal that I've talked about in this episode. Like the day it took you 30 minutes instead of your baseline 15 to get out of work because... Why? Because you were scrolling Twitter instead of shutting off your computer? For the sake of argument and for this week's NFG tip, let's say that was why. There are three ways to distance yourself from distraction. Number one, take evasive action. If you know you have a compulsive social media habit, then take the app off of your phone. Or, you know, you could just resolve to save Twitter.com for personal hours only and never use it at work. Some of this is going to involve willpower and you following through on, you know, these rules that you've set for yourself. But if you just keep the distraction away from you in the first place, that makes it a lot easier to distance yourself from it. So take the app off your phone, make yourself a no Twitter at work rule, um, anything that it takes for you to just avoid that particular problem that you now realize that you have. The second way to distance yourself from distraction is what I call stop, drop, and roll. So if despite your best intentions, you suddenly find yourself staring at Twitter with no recollection of how you made the decision to go against your own rule and type in the URL, 
Um, Treat this situation like you would if you were literally on fire. You stop, drop, and roll. You stop scrolling, you drop your hands to your sides, and you just roll away from your laptop. All right, so this is, if you haven't been able to totally avoid it, when you realize you're doing it, you just have to stop, back away, until you get control of yourself, realize that you've been wasting time, you've been going down your own personal black hole of time, this is the kind of thing that makes you late all the time, and if you're serious about not being a late person, then you have to be able to recognize when you're doing something, I'm not going to say bad, I'm not going to say wrong, but when you're doing something that is antithetical to the goal you have set for yourself, you have to be able to stop doing it, back away slowly, shake it off, and don't do it again. All right, and the number three way to distance yourself from distraction is a little counterintuitive, but that's why they call me the anti-guru. You can pencil it in. Um, This harkens back to a previous NFG tip of the week, lobby for your hobby. If you listened to that episode, then you heard me talk about how important it is to set aside time for leisure activities, me time, self-care. Maybe you like mindlessly scrolling Twitter and you don't want to give it up, and that's fine. But pad your timeline accordingly. Just add an extra 15 minutes into your getting ready or leaving work estimates, since you know full well that you're going to spend it catching up on celebrity gossip or whatever. Just plan for that shit so you can focus on that shit. And that's the NFG tip of the week. Distance yourself from distraction. You can take evasive action, avoid it altogether. You can stop, drop, and roll. Recognize when you're doing something you shouldn't be. Back away, start over, reboot. Or just pencil it in. Accept that this is who you are and how you want to spend your day and plan for it. And that's a wrap on episode seven of the No Fucks Given podcast. I hope I've given you some practical takeaways about why and how you really don't have to be late again. I really appreciate you listening, and I hope that you will tune in next week for the second monthly You Asked For It audio advice column. Don't forget that you can send me your questions to podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com or visit the website for all the show notes, downloads of anything I might mention on the show, um, and to check out my books, including, of course, Get Your Shit Together and the Get Your Shit Together journal, both of which have plenty of room to write down your timekeeping exercises that I talked about on the show today. Um, Oh, also, if you need a calendar, I have one of those too. So check out nofucksgivenguides.com. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. If you liked what you heard, please, please leave me a rating or a review. It should be pretty easy to click those stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would appreciate it. And if you'd like to subscribe, if you haven't already, that ensures that you will get the next episode the minute it lands, which is every Tuesday. And if you've sent me a question for you asked for it, you will definitely not miss the episode where I might be answering it. So thanks again. And until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given, not sorry.